platform. Step up and, and speak out. Zimbabwe, the name is Larry Kwiderai and it is an episode of The Platform. Thank you very much for joining me this uh, Monday, the 9th of May. It's uh, 13 minutes before the hour of uh, 8 o'clock. I know we're just a bit, a little bit late, but some gremlins, but we finally get, uh, were able to sort out the technical issue for us to get our guests who will be joining us over the phone. Just to remind you of the frequencies you can listen to us on 106.4 is where we're broadcasting from in Harare, Mutora, Shanga, 97.6. And my hometown, Bulawayo, 106.7. And if you want to listen to us over the internet, it's www.zfmstereo.com. And this particular edition of the platform is brought to you in partnership with the Zimbabwe Environmental Lawyers Association, shortly known Zella. And I want to talk to you about what they're up to. And that's what we're doing for the next 30 minutes in this conversation that we're having. Uh, just give you a background. Community, communities that host um, mining, activi- mining activities in Zimbabwe continue to suffer the brunt of the negative impacts of mining, such as pollution, uh, ad- arbitrary eviction, open pits and environmental degradation. This has huge implications on community health, local development and livelihoods. Access to information has been challenged, uh, a challenge rather, and there is a need to package it through, package it through, my tongue, I don't know what's going to happen to it, package it uh, through mediums that are accessible to most of these communities so they can effectively seek remedy in the event of a rights violation. In light of this, the Zimbabwe Environmental Law Association has come up with a very with various uh, technologies to address this and that is going to be the focus of the show this evening just but just to give us a background before i talk about this particular technology i've got on the phone uh, a lawyer for, at azela uh, that is manuel Mpofu. thank you very much for joining me uh, thank you very much uh, larry and now tell us about uh, azela and the work it does with regard to the environment uh, thank you very much for that question. Uh, and I think as uh, the name suggests, so, uh, at the core, at the center, what we do uh, is the environment. And Zella is a law-based uh, uh, organization uh, based in Zimbabwe, although it's got a regional uh, focus as well. Um, and uh, as a public interest uh, non-governmental organization, uh, we seek to promote uh, environmental justice, sustainable and equitable use of natural resources. Uh, democracy and good government uh, in the natural uh, government sector. So we implement various strategies uh, in coming up with uh, this uh, aim. And uh, that involves, uh, among many other things, uh, engagement, uh, strategic impact mitigation, uh, as well as research, uh, among others. So at the moment, there are currently five operational program areas, uh, which are namely land and nat- the Land and Natural Resources Program, uh, the extractive industry uh, program, climate change and energy program, uh, local service delivery governance program, and responsible investment and business uh, program. So I think that's how I can just couch in terms of the work uh, that we do at Stella. So in the context of that, um, I know that so many people find this and say, oh, why do we need to have something of that nature? Why is the protection of the environment necessary? Yeah, thank you very much, Larry. I think um, it is key to realize that uh, when we are protecting the environment, we are not only doing it for the current generation, okay? we are also doing it for future uh, generation as enshrined in our constitution. Protection of envi- the environment is critical 
in attaining fundamental rights for each and every individual, not only in Zimbabwe, but the world over. Uh, especially when we look at the current imminent threat that is brought about uh, by climate change uh, induced uh, 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 kind of uh, climate change uh, induced uh, phenomena like floods, cyclones, etc. And all these also, they all have a bearing on the kind of like extractive industry and how we uh, we exploit our natural resources or we exploit our environment. And it's got a through it's got a negative impact also when it comes to our right to health, uh, etc., the right to life uh, in itself. Because there are instances when uh, certain mining practices, whereby the land degradation has led to death of not only um, animals but as well as human beings. So it is quite important. Uh, I cannot emphasize it enough that we actually uh, continue to protect uh, our environment uh, through various uh, means such as sustainable mining, uh, etc. Uh, so. The, 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 um, it is a, it's something that we cannot avoid um, because uh, it's something that we have to live with uh, on a day-to-day uh, basis. So Thank now... You. When I go around, I, I, I personally read the newspaper a lot naturally to get myself informed. We always hear these stories about, oh, something's gone wrong in some area, there's some way where mining exip, uh, has taken place. Uh, then I ask the question, do we have a recognition of environmental rights in Zimbabwe? Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's uh, actually a critical question uh, because uh, ultimately as a nation, we're governed by certain uh, laws, uh, statute. So I would say that indeed um, there is a recognition of environmental rights in Zimbabwe uh, via, via various means. Uh, first of all, maybe I can relate to the common law, uh, which uh, has some protections of uh, environmental uh, rights uh, because prior to the 2013 constitution, uh, you could actually enforce your right, uh, you know, the common law when it came to nuisance uh, and also in terms of dialect when you are seeking compensation. Also, when we look at international laws, Zimbabwe has ratified the African Charter on Human and People's Rights. So, uh, and there, there's just something that you say there. When you say pre-2013 yes. ele- um, constitution, you, constitution could, yes. you could do that. What happened afterwards? Okay, yes, yes. So, when it came to the 2013 constitution, that's when we actually have the right that is now enshrined in uh, Section 73 of our constitution, right to a safe environment. And that is the justiciable right, which means for any violation, uh, there is access to a uh, effective remedy. Uh, so prior to that, of course, as I just highlighted, but now that's the fundamental starting point when we're looking at environmental rights protection in Zimbabwe. But this is also read together uh, with the Environmental Management Act, uh, the Emma Act, Chapter 20.27, um, which uh, stipulates uh, in terms of Section um, 4, uh, which reiterates basically what we find in Section 73 of our Constitution. Uh, when it comes to the right to environment. So, to answer your question, yes, indeed, we have recognition of environmental rights uh, in Zimbabwe, both from the constitutional aspect as well as the uh, statute in terms of the environmental. Some big words that you sh- you use there, and I know as a lawyer you say, uh, use a lot of those words, and, you know, they just fly over people's heads and i suppose if i'm on twitter and i'm trying to get in a discussion i just go and copy paste somewhere and hopefully it makes sense when i'm trying to win an argument with the lawyer but uh what if the, you you used words like justiciable and things of that nature uh, c- explaining it to a common person what does the constitution 
the new constitutional position allow me in Kama TV Wange or in Chimani Mani or Nyanga to be able to do when it comes to exercising my uh, environmental rights uh, under the protection of the constitution? What does justiciable mean? All right. No, thank you very much, uh, Larry. My apologies. No, that's <laughs> so, fine. That's fine. You know, <laughs> yeah, so when we speak of justiciability, uh, we're speaking of uh, access to remedy, uh, basically. Uh, we're saying that when someone in Kamatiri, as you highlight, uh, comes across a uh, violation of their environmental rights, and I think uh, I must also add, when you're speaking of, environment, of, of human rights generally, we cannot separate them. So when you speak of environmental rights, we are speaking of the right to access uh, clean, safe, and portable water as well, but while speaking also of the right to life uh, and all those other rights. So they are all interconnected. So we cannot treat it in isolation. So the Constitution enables individuals to come across violations of their constitutional rights uh, to redress. And redress might be in the form of uh, judicial means, which is uh, accessing the courts. There are also other avenues, which include alternative dispute resolution mechanisms, whereby an individual can uh, liaise with a, uh, a mining company, uh, they say, or negotiate with the mining company to get redress in the event that uh, there's been a violation of their rights. So justiciability speaks to accessing remedy in the event of the violation. And are we party to any United Nations and other um, multilateral body uh, conventions? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, thank you very much uh, for that one. Yes, in terms of international law, uh, we are a party to a lot of those uh, conventions, as I highlighted earlier, the African Charter on Human and People's Rights, uh, which speaks to a thir- having a satisfactory environment, favorable development, as well as the UN Charter, which also speaks to that as well as the International Covenant on uh, Economic, Social and Cultural Rights. Uh, so we are a party to all those uh, conventions, although I have to uh, say as well, before if we, we may ratify these conventions, like we may be a party to them, signatory to them, but ultimately we also need to domesticate uh, our law, so it only becomes effective once it's domesticated into our law, and thankfully the 2018 constitution has brought in various aspects from these international law instruments uh, into our constitution. 0731 get in touch with me in the studio. This uh, program, uh, this episode of the uh, the platform is brought to you in partnership with the Zimbabwe Environmental Law Association. We're discussing uh, aspects of what they do and what environmental law actually st- uh, stands for in terms of how it affects you at home. And also uh, talking about, we're going to be talking about some, uh, an exciting uh, piece of technology that will help you to get more information. But before I get to that, I'm just going to ask a few questions. Uh, before I'm joined, well, we're also joined by a, a young person and who talk to us about the perspective from the youth uh, in as far as environmental protection is concerned. Carrying on with Mane Lempofo, who is a Zela lawyer. Now, what are the economic, uh, uh, social and cultural rights that uh, are related to the environment? Okay. Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Terry. So, I think uh, I almost preempted, uh, you know, in terms of maybe answering uh, this question, in terms of like um, oral human rights, fundamental human rights as found in our Bill of Rights, which is our Chapter 4 of the Constitution, are intertwined. Um, and uh, you cannot make a distinction, fight the distinction uh, when you relate them to one another. So economic, social, and cultural rights basically are second-generation uh, rights. Uh, 
uh, this means uh, unlike your civil and political rights, which were which are considered first generation rights, uh, uh, economic, social, and cultural rights speak to people's uh, livelihood. You know, in terms of um, how they live, how they interact uh, with one another. So the key kind of like um, rights that are they relate to your right to a safe, clean, and healthy environment. Of course, as we highlighted in Section 73, the right to clean, safe, and portable water. Uh, your right, uh, administrative uh, uh, rights are also fundamental when you speak of uh, uh, economic, social, and uh, cultural uh, rights. So when I put it into context, we're speaking of a mining company which comes into an area. It still has to respect um, the cultural norms of a particular society because we know like in certain areas there are certain cultural sites or certain uh, uh, grave sites which have a cultural significance to communities so a company cannot just uh, come into an area and totally neglect uh, to follow uh, those uh, uh, cultural uh, rights uh, it can it, uh, the company also has to uh, enable beneficiation of communities in terms of communities actually benefiting from any mining operation that would be happening in their community. Um, and all this also is generally speaks to uh, uh, what we are relating to in terms of connecting all these various kind of uh, rights uh, to environmental rights uh, protection and promotion uh, in the various communities. And then we've also heard about this environmental impact assessment process being spoken about in very loose terms. Uh, can you explain what it is and how it aids in protecting the environment? Okay, uh, thank you very much. So environmental impact assessment um, are provided for uh, by uh, the Environmental Management Act, uh, that is uh, your statutory instrument 7 of 2007. Uh, I know that's uh, of 2002, my apologies. Um, so there are various projects that require an, an environmental impact assessment, and uh, these include development-based uh, uh, projects. Uh, some of them maybe for people to maybe put it into context with your housing development, as well as mining uh, operations. They also have to go through uh, this EIA certification uh, process, uh, and this process is undertaken by uh, companies. Uh, in consultation uh, or in, with the assistance of the Environmental Management Agency, uh, a list of consultants uh, is, is uh, housed with the Environmental Management Agency, and these are the individuals who allocate uh, these various consultants to help uh, the mining companies or any uh, developer uh, to ascertain or to conduct a consultation uh, with communities. And uh, this is also a, a this is an important uh, document. Um, because it provides for uh, a screening and scoping of an environment where development projects have to happen. Uh, it assesses, you know, uh, the environmental risk that comes with a certain development project that needs to be undertaken. Uh, within uh, that process as well, various mitigation strategies are uh, identified, you know, uh, to determine what measures uh, will actually be followed uh, to minimize uh, they assessed uh, like uh, environmental impact. It is also fundamental in terms of decision making because we're saying we want everyone to be involved in the process. So the EIA process takes a multi-stakeholder approach in terms of consultation without communities, business people, traditional leadership, etc. All those uh, individuals have to be consulted so that it is inclusionary. And then as well within the EIA certification process, 
uh, it provides for monitoring how uh, the environmental uh, parameters uh, will be regular, regularly monitored um, for possible impact. So it is quite significant uh, in relation to all this that I have defined, but it is a technical uh, process that is undertaken by companies in line with the Environmental Management uh, Act with the uh, uh, participation of companies, uh, uh, environmental management agencies, as well as various stakeholders from uh, communities. I think that's how maybe I can quite summarize it. So in short, what you're saying is before anyone comes and engages in a sort or any sort of mi- uh, mining activity, like I mentioned, if I'm Cholocho, Agovunye, so Gutumunte, a figure, and ends in the FNI or Munafani, who go here, or I know that. Is that what you're saying? That, that is absolutely correct. Now, uh, I'm a regulatory processes, Afawem Tetwen, which is all my companies, if you they should follow. Uh, those uh, processes so it is a legal requirement uh, a company cannot just get into an area and start uh, mining without going through these processes especially if it falls under these projects which I make mention of that they need to for, uh, to get uh, environmental impact assessment before the commencement uh, of, the, of a project so this is important pre uh, the environmental impact assessment is important uh, in, in, in before pre uh, project implementation during implementation as well as after uh, implementation when we speak of uh, issues to do with uh, rehabilitation and monitoring. We're going to take a, a quick break. When I come back, I still have a chat with Manel Mbofu from the Zimbabwe Environmental Law Association. And, of course, uh, as I said earlier, I'm going to be joined by uh, Christabel Miribidi, who is a, a youth and they w- wants to talk from the youth perspective. And afterwards, I'm going to ask Manele to talk to us about this new exciting technology that will help you f- uh, stay informed when it comes to uh, the environment. ZFM Stereo, my station, your station, the hottest radio in town.
the station is still ZFM Stereo, my station, your station, the hottest radio in town. We're still together for another uh, 12 minutes. And uh, I've got on the phone now a youth uh, by the name of Crystal Bell uh, Miribili. Uh, thank you very much for joining us uh, on this program. This program is brought to you in partnership with the Zimbabwe Environmental Law Environment Law Association. And the question I want to ask you, uh, Christopher, first of all, why is an, uh, environmental protection important for the youth? Okay, thank you very much for having me. Well, environmental protection is important for the youth because... As youth, we are today's generation and tomorrow's leaders. Hence, there's dire need for us to be actively involved in environmental protection. We have to understand that there is no plan B because there is no planet B. So it's of paramount importance for us to prioritize environmental protection because it also gives us opportunities to protect our limited natural resources, to speak out for animals, to fight natural disasters, and also to advance in green jobs. So what we have to understand is that environmental protection is important for the youth because our existence and the existence of future generations entirely depend on us for survival. Thank you very much. And uh, what can the youth do to protect the environment? And also there's a couple of things that you threw into there that might not be familiar to some of our audiences, things such as green jobs. What does that mean? But again, what can youth do to protect the environment? Okay, so first I'm going to ask on, um, I'm going to answer on green jobs. When you're talking of green jobs, you're talking of uh, simply advancing towards a green economy, advancing from a linear economy into a, into a secular economy where green jobs are taking up the space. So when you're talking of green jobs, you're simply talking of um, being involved in, in jobs that that, uh, that are sustainable. Let's say, for instance, uh, being involved in practices that relate to recycling, being involved in, um, in waste management practices, those kind of practices are what we can refer to as green jobs. For instance, uh, we can melt plastic with, uh, and mix it with sand to make building materials. That's actually uh, a green initiative. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the question, what can the youth do to protect the environment? Okay, so the first point that I want to say is education. Like Nelson Mandela said, education is the most powerful weapon that we can use to change the world. So there is dire need for educational awareness. And we also need to ensure that the information is packaged in a manner that is understandable. Number one. Secondly, um, cleanup campaigns and tree planting initiatives. I would like to quote Jim Quip, our quote. He says that the great aim of education and self-help is not knowledge, for knowledge sake, but action. Knowledge alone is not power, it's potential power. All books, podcasts, seminars, online power, online power programs won't work until you do. So, as youth, we also have to be very actively involved in cleanup campaigns and tree planting initiatives, as these are initiatives that speak to protecting the environment. And we also have, to, as youth, it is important for us to volunteer with uh, environmental organizations that prioritize protection of the environment. 
Uh, and you also have to lobby for practices that ensure environmental protection. For instance, currently as the uh, Zimbabwe Environmental Law Association Youth Network, we are calling for corporate accountability. Uh, the program is called Yuka Initiative, which is Youth Initiative on Corporate Accountability, which is calling for enterprises to respect human rights. So we're saying that uh, as enterprises are operating, they're supposed to meet the diverse demands of the community as well as ensure environmental protection while they're making profit. So it's important for youth to join in such initiatives and um, ensure that the environment is protected. Christopher Meribidi, thank you very much for joining us. As very enthusiastic when it comes to how you're encouraging youths to get involved in aspects of uh, uh, protecting the environment. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. So, um, uh, coming back to... Um, Mandele Mpofu, who is a lawyer at the Zimbabwe Environmental Law Association. Thank you very much uh, for holding on and also and also to Zelat for partnering on this uh, important initiative. Uh, in, in all of this, can you elaborate how access to information promotes environmental protection? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Larry. Access to information is quite pivotal uh, in, an, in any democratic society, uh, Zimbabwe being no exception. And I could say that and, uh, the access to information uh, regimen right now uh, constitutes of uh, uh, the right to information as found in the Constitution, uh, where every Zimbabwean citizen has the right uh, to access uh, any information held by the state and any institution or agency of government uh, at every level. Uh, the access to information uh, aspect as well is uh, entrenched uh, in Section 4, Subsection 1B of our Environmental Management Act. Um, and as well as we have another legislative uh, act, which is the Freedom of Information Act, Chapter 10.33. Uh, and this Freedom of Information Act regulates the right to access, uh, of access to information held by entities in the interest of public accountability or to the exercise of protection uh, of a right. So as I highlight, uh, this is a very important aspect in terms of transparency, key principles which are found in our constitution of transparency and accountability. So when you speak of the right to information, it is pivotal in the enhancement of the protection of our community rights uh, to advance a key principle of transparency and accountability. And on the concept of uh, information of course uh, you guys have come up with a very exciting project uh, a project called and uh, a new chatbot called Envirobot. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about what this is? Uh, thank you very much. Yes, uh, Envirobot is quite exciting uh, and uh, it uh, started off as a pilot project in 2019 um, before the advent of uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, and uh, this is a chat, uh, it's a WhatsApp-based uh, chatbot uh, whereby individuals can access it uh, by uh, uh, sending a high message uh, to a particular number, uh, which I, I can share as I go on in terms of uh, me explaining what uh, Envirobot entails. So it just entails someone sending a high on WhatsApp to a certain number, and some uh, the individual will get various prompts. Um, one of them uh, being to accessing uh, information with regards to environmental, economic, social, and cultural rights. 
uh, and this database is constantly updated uh, by our team of lawyers uh, at uh, Zella. Um, as well as uh, an individual is able to report a case uh, of uh, any rights violation in their communities. Um, also, individuals are able to access our weekly uh, Zella newsletter where we speak on a variety of issues uh, on a, a weekly basis and the newsletter comes out every Friday. So Envirobots uh, is quite exciting in that uh, it brings us closer uh, to people because I think right now we can accept that social media uh, at the forefront uh, of information dissemination and we also want it to be um, uh, at the forefront uh, in terms of being able to uh, publicize these environmental, economic, social and cultural rights because uh, ultimately I know there's, sometimes there's more bias towards the civil and political rights but there's another, there's an entire other field uh, where there are uh, important rights which need to be followed and Envirobot um, enables us to interact uh, with our communities even in the remote parts uh, via WhatsApp uh, to communicate information as I highlight. And what is the number? Because you keep saying this bot on WhatsApp and I'm like, oh, I need to I need to type this number into my phone right now. <laughs> yes, okay. So for the benefit of the listeners who would like to use this platform, um, then WhatsApp number is... Uh, the plus two six three our number is my code uh seven 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 one zero five nine four three and to kickstart a conversation an individual just needs to send a high and you get the prompt and maybe what i should highlight as well that is that for now the chatbot is in english but we have all the intention uh, to translate it into the other indigenous languages uh, which are recognized by our constitution and this should be rolling out in the next uh, uh, coming weeks. So just to be clear, anyone can send a high message to the chatbot? Anyone can send a high message to the chatbot. As long, I, I'm sure as long as there is uh, WhatsApp data on one's phone uh, or data itself, uh, you can just send a high and you get the prompt. And when you report a case or want access to a lawyer, uh, we will be able to see that through our back end this side and we'll give uh, a call to all those uh, who would have uh, uh, put, uh, put out a request to speak to a lawyer or to access certain information. Okay, so that is Manile Bofo. Very excited I am about this uh, chatbot, call, chatbot called Envirobot. And you might think, okay, I don't live in an area where there might be a problem, but just get it, if not for yourself, maybe for others. And you never know, in a few months, you could be the person that needs access to, uh, and, you know, environmental justice and environmental rust, uh, rights. Uh, Manil Mpofu, Zimbabwe Environment Law Association lawyer, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Larry, and uh, thank you. And that's that. Thank you very much uh, to, to all of you for listening. And uh, I'm going to take a quick break now. And Chila will be back at half past the hour with uh, our story. But I say thank you very much for joining me. I'll be back with you uh, on Wednesday. We'll have a chat again on this very exciting topic about Envirobot. I'm about to type the number out and, and you know, make sure that I am clued up in as far as the environment is concerned. And this uh, episode of uh, the platform was brought to you in partnership with the Zimbabwe uh, 
uh, Environment Law Association. Otherwise, take care of yourself uh, and the people that you love. And uh, remember, with uh, COVID-19 coming up again, uh, make, remember to social distance, wear your mask. Uh, no, everybody's getting bored with wearing masks. You're not excited about wearing masks anymore. But wear masks and make sure that you sanitize as much as possible and just be as safe as possible. Uh, otherwise, as I say, from where I come from, I see it. Take care of yourself.